This is Bumping Into, where we have interesting conversations with people from all walks of life. Hi everybody, thanks for joining me. I am Francis Populin and this is Bumping Into. Today's guests are the two key figures behind the Volley Shoe rebrand and how that shoe went out of Kmart and onto the world. This isn't going to be so much a history lesson about the shoe, but just to cover it, for those that don't know, the Volley Shoe is a very iconic Australian shoe. It was invented back in 1939 by a tennis player who also worked at the Dunlop Factory. He was actually a tennis champion and couldn't find a shoe suitable, so he created what he could uh, at the time, and essentially it became the famous volley shoe. Those that aren't familiar with the volley shoe, think of something very similar to a Converse canvas shoe. Um, The key difference being that this is Australia's shoe. It's an Australian icon. It's been celebrated for decades. It's it's become a, I suppose, an hugely recognisable part of Australian culture. But this episode is essentially the story about how that shoe has been rebranded. While it's always been loved in Australia and had its place here, it was uh, pulled out of Kmart, completely rebranded, basically developed huge fame over in China, France, uh, parts of Europe. This is that story. These are the two key figures behind that rebrand and All of the challenges they face, it goes into the censored ads that the brand came across, it goes into the counterfeit raids that they had to do themselves all through China, it goes on to the Beyonce of China wearing the shoes and sending sales through the roof that it actually crashed all of their servers. It's a fascinating story, I'm so glad I got it down on tape, I'm sure you're going to enjoy it. My guests on the show are John Swede, who was the uh, GM, and Martin Matthews, who was the then CEO when this was all taking place. This is their story, and this is a huge part of the story of the volley shoe. And just to note that there is a little bit of conversational-based swearing in this episode, just in case you've got some of the kids or the younger ones in the car listening along. G'day, mate. How are you going? Francis, how are you? Yeah, good, good. You're in lockdown. Yeah, I we've never been out. <laughs> <laughs> and it doesn't look like anytime soon. Ever, I, no, I don't think we're ever going to be out. Um, oh, yeah, are you in New South or are you in New Zealand or where are you? No, no, Queensland, Gold Coast. Oh, mate. Yeah, That's where so, um, 400,000 Victorians moved to in the last two years. They yeah. all did. Yeah, they all did. Yep. And they've brought Broke. your property prices up here with them. <laughs> yeah, they did, man. Like, <laughs> I can't believe it. I looked at a place in... Um, Oh, Burley Heads, maybe two years ago, an apartment, oh, yeah. you know. Yep. And um, and then I went back and stayed in the same complex. Um, the last time we were allowed out for a few days, and that 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 the price of that apartments in that building had gone up like fuck, like thirty eight percent or something. Yeah. It was crazy. Yeah. I know. I don't, yeah. I, where does it end? Where does it? Where does it become reasonable? I know that's what everyone was saying, right? That this yeah. bubble was going to pop, but yeah. like despite the state of the rest of the economy, um. You know, property and car prices <laughs> just yeah, continue to yeah, score. Yeah, definitely. Like, yeah. If you locked out, what the fuck do you need a car for? <laughs> you know, like, like, yeah, definitely. I've got one to come in. Let me, I'll let him in. Oh, cool. Yeah, let the bastard in. Yep. <laughs> so whereabouts are you? Are you Melbourne or Sydney? Yeah, yeah. We're both in Melbourne at the moment. I mean, both Martin's in Melbourne. Working, oh, Martin's right. working in Sydney for a company there, but he... Uh, he tried to escape lockdown, but only only made it worse. Oh, yeah. Jeez. Yeah, exactly. Hey, mate. Hey, guys. How are you? G'day, mate. Good. How are you? Yeah, good. Oh, 
Oh, so the two of you are locked up. So I'm the only one that's uh, that's somewhat free and able to roam around. Yeah, you're a smart and lucky man. Queensland <laughs> yeah. is absolutely the place to be. <laughs> yeah, that's what we were just saying. Yeah, but we missed out on the grand final this year again. Well, we had it last year, obviously. So this year would have been nice to get it again. But Perth yeah. got it. So. Yeah, and, and a lot of Melburnians have got the shits because it's going to be at night. And I think I think oh. a grand final at night, I mean, I'm not a huge footy fan, I've got to say, but I think a grand final at night would be fucking sensational. Yeah. All lit up and that. a band playing and fireworks. and yeah. We've never you know, done it well enough here, have we? Like the Super Bowl yeah. is such a spectacle, you know, yeah. the halftime event. And, and we have, you know, like... Meatloaf, come on and do a half hour set at halftime. <laughs> yeah, I wonder if it's a hang on to the old suburban footy days, you know, where it was the afternoon where the kids and the dad would all go down to the yeah, feet. Yeah, I think, I think it is. I think it yeah. is, which is, I mean, tradition is also very nice. But yeah, yeah. But I think, you know, people are ringing up saying, oh, my kids can't stay up to watch it. It's on at seven o'clock. I'm kind of like, you know what? Make it that one special day for your kids yeah, in the yeah, year where they, they can, can stay, stay up, up late. Yeah, you know, yeah, and you just and have deal a slumber with the... party with their mates, or yeah. they can't do that now. But you know, whatever, yeah. you know. No, <laughs> I agree. Cuddle yeah, the dog I and agree. Watch the TV, it's you know? it's the biggest spectacle I suppose we have in the country, and they should treat it like that. Yeah, but yeah, we'll now see Francis, what I've got I've got all day. Um, Martin unfortunately has only got about an hour. Yeah, um, but that's all right. But well, this, this this volley story is fucking quite something. I've got to say, <laughs> <laughs> we could talk for days. <laughs> So we should try and fit it into 45 minutes. Well, look, I'm all ears. So if you guys want to tell me, I mean, obviously I've I've done a bit of research um, and and how sort of was, you know, bought by Pacific Brands and that's where I think you guys grabbed it and and then it became its own thing and you two were the people responsible, I guess, the the brains behind let's try and rebrand this from a Kmart shoe into a fashion shoe. Is that sort of a, a fair call? Yeah, that's a good. Yeah, that's that's pretty much the play, I guess. You know, I think, um, oh, Martin, you should tell the story because I mean, your company bought it, and then I'll squeeze in where I think it's applicable. Oh yeah, look, there were a few. I mean, I wasn't there when Pacific Brands uh, bought it, um, but Pacific Brands had owned it for for some time, and uh, you're absolutely right. I mean, what Pacific Brands were good at, and obviously Bonds. It was Pacific Brand's biggest uh, consumer business. So it was a business that was just used to selling mass volume to the discount department store market. And so they sort of followed the same strategy with uh, all of the businesses they acquired and and, and Volley was was that. So, you know, when I first came across Volley, um, it was was the go-to shoe for all the discount department stores and it was used and it was in the days before, you know, all these guys um, like Kmart, Big W, target at that point in time they didn't um source anything directly from asia they always relied on local uh, suppliers to do that work so it was also being used basically as what what we would now think of as a private label business so if they wanted to do a, a version of a converse shoe they'd call the guys at volley and and volley would just do a version of the converse shoe at a low price point and in it would go so it was a really big business but it was it wasn't really a true brand um at, at that point um, and then the, the then when John and I came in was basically at the point that um, uh, that division was sold off as Brand Collective. So um, we bought that division with private equity. So that was um, a, a deal that I'd, I'd worked for Pacific Brands and carved out that division uh, in 2014. Um, and Volley was part of that group, Brand Collective. Um, and so we then had the ability to, to I guess, set our own strategy. And, and some of the work had already been done on it. Um, and John came on board very shortly after that. So that's when the journey started. 
Mm. Right, right. So who's, I mean, it would have taken someone to think we could make something out of that. Out of all the brands that were under there and you've got Bolly sitting on a Kmart shelf that's a cheap shoe, someone's stopped and thought, why haven't we made that a trending item? Why haven't we done something with that product? Yeah, well, I, yeah, I mean, when, when I met Martin, uh, we met at a hotel in South Melbourne um, just through a, another mutual kind of friend and I did a bit of a pitch to Marty because I guess my background had always been with... Um, what we would call true branded brands like, um, you know, Vans, uh, Nike, Reebok, uh, Calvin Klein, that sort of stuff, and, and, and my own business. And, and, um, and Martin just said, look, you know, there's been a few people that have had a good swing at this, but kind of no one's been able to, to pull it off, I suppose. Um, and I, as a, a being a, an avid tennis player when I was younger, kind of felt that it was a bit... Um, it was a bit sad to see the last shoe that an Australian that won the Australian Open in, in, in 1976, which was Mark Edmondson, um, you know, was on a, on a shelf in a discount department store for 20 bucks. Yeah. Um, I just thought that the heartbeat of the brand, you know, there's a, there's a, there's definitely a place for the brand within those businesses and, and, and the brand has, you know, it needs to be accessible and affordable to people. But I think the hero of that, of the business needed to come out of there and, and really try and kind of relaunch the brand. And that's, I guess that was really the first mission. It was, was to sort of, you know, pull our heritage product or, or re- rebuild our heritage product outside of uh, discount department store land um, and, um, and, and kind of regroup. And, and that's the journey that, that, that Marty uh, entrusted me to do. And, and, you know, we had some fucking cracking times um, around, around kind of doing that and what that, what that should look like um and and that's kind of how that whole first grassroots um campaign came about i mean marty it's probably better if you if you tell it because i'll, I'll have a bias to um <laughs> to how that goes well there's going to be quite a few of these where we're going to dispute how uh, how events actually unfolded but um but yeah i mean i, I think yeah look john john's absolutely right we, i mean we really just you know we saw the potential like the brand the, the, i think the thing francis the brand we knew had been cool in different times in the past. Yeah. Sometimes yeah. because of deliberate marketing, sometimes just because the brand has such an amazing heritage. You know, Johnny talks about, you know, remembering wearing it as a kid. I mean, every Australian's got a volley story. And so there was this sort of innate love for the brand, um, even even when it had gone through rough patches. So, um, yeah, I mean, jo- Johnny wanted to bring that um, excitement and that feeling back to the brand and, uh, and get some cut through. And, and, you know, we were working off, when we kicked this process off, we were working off a tiny business that couldn't afford to fund uh, nationwide marketing campaigns because it was it was out of Kmart. You know, Kmart had gone fully private label, uh, and so the scale of that business had gone, and we we didn't really have significant distribution. So um, we basically had to take a guerrilla marketing approach. And, and Johnny came to me and he said, "Look." He's from a you know youth youth fashion background, and there's you know one one marketing strategy tried and true in youth, which is sex sells. Yeah. And he said to me, "Look, he said, look, Marty, all I want to do is I want to get some hot models, and I'm going to make them naked, and I'm going to put them in a car, and they're going to be upside down wearing the shoes, hanging out of the car." And um, I was like, "Cool." Like well, that's great. <laughs> but, like, what's it? What's it got to do with anything? Like, what's the what's the hook? So, and and jo- we we got to this point um, in our relationship, Johnny and I, and I think this is this is how we worked really well. Where um, I knew he was always going to push the boundaries, and we got to where, where my statement to him was always, you know, you've got great ideas, mate. They're just 
usually they're, they're wrapped up in a few layers of, of shit and they need to yeah. be unpeeled. Yeah, so you need the two. You need the, the, the one person bringing it back and one person pushing it forward and you find the sweet spot. Yeah, yeah. because I, I, think- I figured, yeah, I mean, culture was kind of going down a strange path um, from my point of view, uh, social media, bullying, all this kind of stuff that really didn't exist in the 80s and 90s. And, and maybe even in the yeah. north, it may be even in the northeast to an extent. Yeah. Um, and I just said to Marty, I want to do a teenage orgy in a fucking car in a in, in a like a in a you know backbeat Venice Beach car park type of thing. And he said, Well, what like well, that's what he said. What the fuck has that got to do with shoes? You know. And, and and I said, it doesn't have anything to do with shoes, but it's kind of got to do with with culture and yeah. experimentation and how it's important that kids all find themselves. You know, yeah. whether it's same sex, interracial, whatever. Like that's what my whole teenage youth was, was experimentation and figuring out kind of who you were. Yeah. And I said, I think that's what the brand needs to do. It, it needs to kind of get back to basics and, and strip everything off and, and figure out kind of what it was. And then we came up with this grassroots kind of catchphrase, which is not a new term by any stretch. Okay. But grass, because Volley was born on the grass oh. tennis courts of Wimbledon. Yeah, that's right? clever. Yeah. And, and, and rooting because rooting is iconically an Australian word. That's right? true. So, yeah. The Yanks yeah. don't know what it means. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so we put them together and then Martin goes, well, if you do this, mate, you're going to cop a lot of shit from people because you're going to say that you're promoting fucking unsafe sex and teenage sex uh, and yeah. you know, all this sort of stuff. And I'm like, cool. And that's how we work well together. We were very, uh, even though our business vision was always pretty much aligned, yeah. we were kind of still a bit yin and yang in the way that we thought about things, but it always came together nice, you know. Um, yeah. So, so I said to him, fuck, let's just partner with Ansel because because – um, STIs or STDs when I was a kid, um, sexually yeah. transmitted disease was always, always in some shape or form, whether it's chlamydia or fucking something was always, um, was always on the up. So I got some statistics to say that chlamydia in teenage girls was going through a, a, a double digit um, growth oh. space, you know? So, so we contacted Ansel and we said, we want to do a condom um, that comes with, you know, that's part of this sort of like um, grassroots campaign. And on the condom, we wrote get behind us because there was a little bit of a, uh, a play on words um, in that. If you, if you're working yeah. with me, Francis. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Got it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and that was the, I guess that was the, 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 what, what do you call it, Marty? That was the, the scapegoat to the campaign. Was the, well, it gave it a narrative, didn't it? It gave it because we, we were both willing to take, Big risks, I guess. You know, yeah. you know, you got to if you're going to be noticed and get cut through when you've got a, a small budget, you've got to you've got to take some risks in marketing. And and then my view is just you, you had to have a credible position that that marketing had a social message or some kind of connection to either your brand, your history, or culture that uh, that was a positive. You know, that, that, that you know, even if it was a little bit shocking, um, yeah. it was like okay, but we're achieving something here. And so that that partnership with Ansel was brilliant. Not only did it give us um, access to a little more marketing budget. Um, it also gave us a, a story to tell that was aligned with the, you know, the, the whole idea of, of grassroots and, you know, have your fun, um, but do it Safe. safely. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah. And, and of course, yeah. another iconic Australian brand. And that became a big part of what we did through the whole story was that, um, you know, I guess we tapped into the idea that there were a lot of these iconic Australian brands out there, um, you know, whether it been, we'll come to Vegemite and VB and um, we haven't, Volley never did anything with Hills Hoist, but it could have been another one. Yeah. Um, there's, there's a lot of these iconic Australian bands that are, that are, that are loved. There's an enormous sort of heritage to all of them. And they're all in varying, you know, um, states of 
uh, you know, some of them are flying, some of them are not. Um, but the one thing that they have in common is that, that there is something sort of, you know, really tied in, deep in the Australian psyche to some of these brands because people grew up with them. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And, I, and it's really hard, Francis, to create a brand. If it's going to be a youth brand, it's very hard to create a youth brand if you don't have any youth interested in the product whatsoever. I yeah. mean, you know, when, when I took over the brand, our core customer was over 54 years of age, right? So, and look, there's nothing wrong with that. We'll all be over 54 years of age at some point in time. But, um, I mean, the, the whole methodology to, to target that young audience, I mean, and it took us probably maybe two and a half years and, until our core wow. customer shifted to 25 years of age um and then our secondary customer now is 18 to 24 um and and we didn't lose any of that older customer really i mean did they get offended by the campaign yes did i get hate mail from the campaign yes wow okay. full, like every every city council took all these posters off the walls um we went to court over this thing um well, well, this is actually in a sense a bit of a lucky break came from this didn't it john yeah. because it was when yeah. the australian christian lobby attacked the campaign um, mm. and so the other component of the campaign um, in the second phase so the first phase was the the Ansel piece with the um, you know we had the tennis rackets and the condom wrapped over it the get behind the street posters and then we had um, same-sex couples uh, in the campaign we were one of the first brands to use actual same-sex oh, um, wow. models uh, and you know it's quite provocative um, campaign and the Australian Christian lobby, of course, hated it. And they yeah. came out in the media and said, you know, this is damaging Australians' morals. Yeah, they said, yeah. Wendy and- Francis tweeted, if you, if your kids wear volleys, they're gonna they're gonna burn in hell. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, well, so you know, so kids are going, I'm gonna get volleys because I'm gonna get rooted tonight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that, yeah. That, that was the retort, and it and it really, it really gathered momentum and you know, through that whole LBGT. Um, you know, community really got on board with it too. Um, but, you know, it, it, it was built for everybody. I mean, that campaign was just, it was built for, for any young person that was going through, um, you know, establishing their identity or, or what their choice was going to be in life. Um, that's, that's what it was about. It wasn't really anything targeted or specific. It was just about having fun and being yourself um, and, and, being, and being young. I mean, you're only young once. Yeah, yeah that, so, no, definitely. Yeah. And it goes quick. Yeah. Yeah. And it's funny because at that point in time, I reckon at that point in time, we we tapped into what the brand essence was, but we hadn't articulated it. Um, and I think that's, you know, so it's, it, it, uh, one of the most important things in branding is you, you know that, that there's this sort of often quite hard to articulate uh, indefinable thing about the brand that you want to be communicating Um and and this was already happening, but it was only about this time that we actually worked out what what uh, words to put to it, and that was like Johnny called me. I was on. I distinctly remember I was driving out to a winery with my my wife, and I get a phone call um, from John on a Saturday morning at, at yeah. ten a.m. Oh, and he I was goes, I was working while Martin was getting drunk. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you, you, you were in the shower, mate. I, got I was. Goes, I was. I was actually sitting on the. Phone. I was sitting on the floor in the shower. Yep. And I, he goes, I'm in, the, and I've got it. He goes, I've got it, and it's and it's play on, and that's it. That's the that's the brand platform. That's the that's the idea that encapsulates everything we're talking about. Is this idea of play on? And again, it's an Australian term. You know, it's a yeah. very much a footy term, play on. Yeah. Um, but also, it's a so, social term. It's like whatever you're doing, play on. You know, be yourself, enjoy yourself. Don't don't um, sweat the small stuff. Yeah, just keep uh, going. You know, so, just yep. keep going, absolutely. Um, and so that that really did become 
Um, we used it a little bit in marketing. We used it a little mm. bit on the shoes, but it was actually more the idea that drove, mm. um, you know, the, the rest of the thinking around mm, the brand. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. tell me if I'm wrong. Surely there would have been someone going into bat and argue what you guys wanted to do. There would have been someone higher in the big corporate monster saying, oh, I don't know if this is, this is right. I don't know if we should be doing this. Um, well, I mean, well, <laughs> well, I think I, I mean, want to send Martin to jail, so he should probably answer that one. <laughs> no, no, no. We were fortunate that um, I think, and, and this is, you know, so, so I was the, the, the CEO of, of the company at the time. And we were private equity owned. And I think this is the, um, you know, the, the important thing about if, if you want a creative and, and, and risk-driven organisation, a risk-on type of organisation, first of all, you obviously need the leadership that can handle the risk. And between John and I, I think we, we obviously, we pro- if anything, we probably ha- can handle too much risk. Um, <laughs> but the, I think the great credit to our owners was that they, they understood that uh, that wasn't their role. It wasn't the role of the corporate owners to, to oh, be influencing, um, yeah. you know, marketing strategy. So uh, they, they wanted the to be freedom. aware of it. They absolutely yeah. did. And, yeah. and that's yeah. the credit. Yeah. Of, Anchor- Anchorage uh, was phenomenal. Yeah, yeah. geez, that's, yeah. that's and, good. And, that's exceptional. And, and the real discipline. Uh-oh. We've lost him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll, just, I'll fill in some gaps while Martin's frozen. But the... the um. The interesting thing for me about Anchorage when I presented this campaign to them and I was explaining to them what rooting was and all this sort of stuff, they were just like, they were just like, wow. And I, and I, and I, and I, it I, was difficult because, oh, um, you know, one of, sorry, I think we had some connection issues Yeah, there. you froze there, Marty. You froze for a minute, bro. You might have to read. Oh, that's all right. As long as you guys kept talking. Yeah. Go for it, mate. Keep going. 21st, I was just saying the um, one of the Anchorage founders was was actually Christian. So, oh. um, you know, in the, the ACL, so that, that I think made it even more um, incredible that they were able to um, distance themselves from from those decisions. Just understand that that is, yeah. you know, ultimately about the brand. And and again, it was it was important though, and it was important to us that we 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 weren't doing shock just for shock's sake. Yeah, that there still yeah. was an underlying message that resonated with both the brand and the customer base that was a positive message. Um, and that later translated to uh, support for um, same-sex marriage, um, which was the next major campaign, which, mm. I mean, Johnny, do you want to talk a bit about that? Because that, that was a massive moment for the brand as well. Yeah, we, I mean, it was interesting because, you know, some to give you some context on how that came about, um, was I, I was receiving a, quite a significant amount of personal um, hate mail after the grassroots campaign. Um, you know, from, from you know, people, mums and dads, uh, all, all sorts of people. Um, and there were, there were six um, letters in particular that were extremely um, offensive uh, oh. to, to, to me um, personally. And, I, and I, I rang all these six people. Um, Jeez, okay. And, yeah, and, and I just thought, I just wanted to hear, I just wanted to hear them out and, and, and give them some context into, into what we were doing and, I don't think the shoot was really any, it wasn't like dirty pornographic. I mean, yes, it was risque and, and a bit naughty, but I mean, it's nothing that they're not teaching in kindergartens right now, ironically. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, you know, we, 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 you know, I spoke to these people, four of the people um, came around and said, look, I, I understand your point of view. I don't necessarily agree with what you did, but I'll continue to support the brand. And I said, thank you so much. And two other people basically just, you know, called me names, told me to fuck off and hung up the phone. Um, so, um, 
you know, I, I guess, you know, there was one um, mega supportive uh, letter I got um, that, that, that made a few of us cry actually when we read it. And it was from a, from a, a lady, um, you know, who was uh, bisexual. And, um, you know, I read this letter out at one of the um, company conferences, you know, in front of 140 staff. And, and there was quite a few tears in the room. And I never wanted the brand to be about politics. And I, and I still, to this day, don't believe that the Marriage Equality Act should, should have been um, a political, um, you know, a political thing. But Martin and I sort of talked about it and, and um, you know, we, I mean, the company as a whole really wanted to get behind it. And, and, and I, I think, you know, um, we, we, we like to normalise things in volley. And, and I think that's what kind of play on really signifies um, is that no one is special and no one is that different. Um, you know, it's just, it's it's you know to those people it's it's normal to me it's normal to you know how I live is normal to them it's normal right like so yeah. I think the whole pride thing kind of came about that way I mean Martin's had a lot of great ideas and 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 has really you know w- was really incredible in unraveling all my shit ideas because you know to be honest with you um you know all, all the great stuff that we did really was driven from from him and not to piss in his pocket but that's just kind of how we work together. You know, like he's like, Oh, you're fucking crazy. Um, let's just unwrap it and make it and make it sort of, you know, make it better. But that, but that's a good working relationship. Um, oh, definitely. Yeah. And, yeah. Look, and, Jerry Seinfeld, Larry David, I mean, what they wouldn't have been the same yeah. had they not been together. Yeah. Know, so, 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 you know, so I, I you know, like I've, I've always loved working with Marty and the board were incredibly supportive too, uh, you know, ironically, um, which I guess most people are kind of scared of their, the board, but, yeah. I found the board, you know, secondary to Martin, probably the, the most um, oh, the most comforting couple of people that I've ever worked with um, wow. in, in, in what we're doing because we, we really took the brand backwards, um, you know, initially in a, in, in a financial sense um, to, to reprogram and, and kind of reshift. And then, you know, when, when we got behind the Pride community and we, we were making donations to, you know, Are You OK um, and Wear It Purple and, and, and different things because... You know, are you okay? I suppose isn't a pride-specific um, charity, but but you you can't isolate you know mental health or other issues um, to a to only a straight sex you know portion of the community, right? So yeah. this is kind of always what we've been trying to say is don't don't feel different just because you identify as different. You should feel the same as all of us because we're all human, you know. Yeah. So you know, I think we've done over fifty thousand dollars in in donations now, and and you know we've been doing pride for about five years, and and you know, a lot of people don't know that because a lot of the campaigns that we did do, you know, subsequently were, were banned and some have been removed from social media and 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 that sort of stuff. But um, yeah, it, it, it was a really it, it was a really interesting tipping point um, for for the brand um, and really helped us engage with a community that was big on, you know, current affair issues and and all that sort of stuff. Um, and I guess from there, you know, the China story was probably the next big, uh, you know, the next big story where um, a gentleman that used to work, um, Peter Flynn um, at Brand Collective, sent me a, a, an email um, of a Chinese celebrity called Fei Wong, uh, who was kind of like the Beyonce of China, but a bit, a bit older and a bit reclusive, um, but a mega, 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 mega pop star, um, singer and actress. And she was going through divorce, I think, at the time. And paparazzi shot her at I think it was Hong Kong airport Marty um wearing a pair of white green gold um you know volley internationals uh and and the 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 fucking traffic that that came to our business from that it it, it essentially just crippled our servers for, wow. for like you know for for days and 
And I said to Marty, I said, I'm going to, I'm going to go to China. And he's like, yeah, fucking cool. And, and, um, you know, kind of, there's a few people, I suppose, in the building laughing about, about that. Um, but I got my graphic designer just to slightly um, doctor the date on the photo because I, I didn't get this photo until many, many, many months after it was actually taken. Um, and, I, and I flew into, I flew into Beijing uh, and I went into Amazon uh, head office there. And I sat down with the, with the buyers for the, for, the, for the China part of the Amazon business. And they couldn't speak uh, much English. And I, I certainly can't speak any Chinese. Um, and I just showed them the picture of Fei Wong wearing the volleys and then showed them a picture of the volley with the price. And then they placed an order. Um, <laughs> you know. <laughs> and and the, the, the whole kind of China business just started really you know, around that. And then, you know, probably 16 months later, we started opening, um, you know, stores in, in Shanghai and, and Beijing. Um, Gee, that's incredible. Yeah, that's that's was, a massive chain of yeah. events, to, isn't it? That's absolutely. Mm. And, and obviously that's still just an uptrending market. Yeah. Yourselves. I think it's just, you know, like I think a lot of people um, are too scared and a lot of people here are scared of international for some reason. And, and yeah. I've always done a lot of business internationally. And, and from my point of view, there's no different for me doing business here with, you know, David Jones or doing business with Nordstrom. It's, it's still a store. It's still a people. It still yeah. comes down to price and margin. And all, you, all you're doing is delivering it into a different continent. Um, yeah, true. Yeah. And, and if anything, if anything, it's actually, you know, potentially a, a better business um, because mm. people, people love um, the, the idea of Australia. And, you know, yeah. when you're selling, you're selling a, a sneaker like Holly, you know, you know, what is it about, you know, this very, fairly simple canvas sneaker that's different to anything else? Well, not necessarily anything about the shoe, um, but the, the idea of it being the iconic Aussie sneaker and part of the Australian lifestyle is, is what sells it in, in these markets. So I think, you know, Australia, yeah, Australian brands are, um, are way too nervous about uh, international expansion. You contrast that with uh, American brands who have no, always yeah. been confident and early movers. And, you know, when they first went to these markets, no one, no one knew what these brands were either. And they built, obviously, enormous awareness and following um, in, in, in China and throughout yeah. Asia uh, simply by being the first to do it, which is, I think, a lot to do with American culture. You know, they're, they're, you know, they're a more entrepreneurial perhaps braver bunch than us at times yeah Yeah. so we we tend to be yeah um, you know we we, i I don't know we underestimate ourselves i think Mm, correct yeah definitely and 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 francis it it gave us a great opportunity to reset and position the brand where i felt it should be positioned in australian retail which was alongside vans converse reebok nike timberland yeah all, all, all these kind of brands so you know our first price point in china was 110 uh australian dollars you know, when, when the same shoe was on sale here at the time, I think for about fucking twenty six ninety nine or something. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and then we really started to drive the pricing architecture and, and design new product, um, you know, and, and build our e-commerce business here because unfortunately um, no one, no real Australian retailer would give us uh, any traction um, to, to try and help us um, reposition the brand in this country because of its roots in discount department stores. Yeah. They, they felt that it was tarnished. So I, I could confidently say that um, you know, I think one of the greatest achievements we've had um, is, is that we are probably the only footwear brand uh, in the world to have had product in discount department stores, you know, and, and top tier, you know, sneaker and lifestyle stores like General Pants and Platypus, uh, Hype DC um, at the same time. You know, yeah. like fucking 
like fucking crazy. And and at the same time as that, we had a collaboration going with Tony Bianco, which is a a mid mid to high end tier, I suppose, um, women's heel fashion brand of all things, right? Yeah. We, we we did a collaboration with them to see. I just really wanted to see if we could sell leather shoes over one hundred and fifty dollars, right? Because Martin and I always used to talk about shit. You know, have we been have we been pigeonholed? Um, you know, at at a certain price point. Um, will, will people pay this much for volley, you know, blah, blah, blah. So Bianco had like, I don't know, fucking half a million followers on Instagram, whatever. Um, you know, you know, Anthony's a, a, a now, now become a good friend of mine, but we, we, we did this collab. We were in 21 Bianco stores. We had leather product for $169. I mean, did it fly? No, it didn't fly, but it did sell. Okay. Um, you know, so it, it, it kind of proved to us that the glass ceiling that we may have thought we had, or that I may have thought we had, just purely because of my background um, was not there. And, and I think that was really encouraging is that even though the retailers in the country were telling us, you can't do that. Volley belongs there and volley's yeah. shit and volley's cheap and whatever. Um, and our customer, our new customer was telling us that, no, it isn't. Um, if you show us, you know, the right product and the right fabrication, we, yeah. we will support the brand. Um, you know, and, and I guess that's kind of what we did. Hey, Marty. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I think, I mean, the average price point, I mean, we took the, uh, the basic volley up to, you know, 49, um, 95. And, uh, and, and I think by the time we, we got to this point, the best selling items, um, on our website were, um, at the hundred dollar mark. So coming from oh. a, you know, a, a 1999 Kmart catalog special to, uh, yeah. you know, best selling items. Um, hitting hitting the hundred dollar mark. I mean that you don't often see in a brand transformation. It's sort of a you know that's a five hundred percent increase in yeah. RRP. So um, so yeah, it's a, it, it's an extraordinary and and the work's not finished. You know the work's not done mm. um, yet in terms of distribution and, and pricing, mm. but the 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 grounding is there now. So yeah, I mean it's been wild, Francis. You know we've gone through a lot of people through the teams and. I always love hiring the underdog. I mean, I've, I've had two, two of my best employees ever, I think, in my whole working life um, were both college graduates that, that hadn't, hadn't had a job previously in the industry at all. They came, from, they came from Billy Blue College of Design, and one of them now is working uh, for Senso in, in the UK, and another one's working for New Era. Um, you know, and they've gone on to other things, which is, yeah. which is super good. And I think as a, as a boss, I mean, the best thing you can do with your staff is either A, encourage them to leave if that's what they want to do and 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 find you know find their passion um or or stay with you and 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 ride the journey um and you know e everyone has peaks and troughs but when we first went into china i mean you know samantha this girl that worked with me she did 41 days straight in china at, a, at as a 20 year old um you know who grew up in country wow. you know who grew up in orbost or somewhere right like um, you know, she had to fly back to Hong Kong to renew her visa and fly back in again and on her own and, and you know, battling in factories and arguing with people. And, um, yeah, it was a, it, it, it's, um, it's, 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 it was a really interesting thing. I mean, when, when after I showed um, Amazon the picture of Beyonce, uh, that picture got leaked then through the whole Chinese kind of like, I guess you'd call it the counterfeit network. Um, <laughs> and we, we, we had over... We had over 294 illegal counterfeit vendors selling fake volleys on Alibaba, right? Oh, geez. And, um, and 
Martin and I, you know, we ended up doing a deal with a distributor over there um, who was an interesting guy. Um, his, his father was the senator at some time of the Sichuan province. And um, so a fairly heavy hitter, I suppose, in the, in the communist uh, party. Um, and, and Martin and I did a road trip um, with him and his wife, um, basically tracking down all these illegal factories and raiding them uh, ourselves. We, we were banging down doors and Martin had his GoPro and we were, we were videoing people. And there was one factory where we were just all kind of sitting there yelling at this guy and this guy was yelling at us and, and we were yelling in, they were yelling in Chinese and Cheng was translating it into English for us. And Cheng just looked at Martin and I with this really blank face because we're kind of in the wild west of China. And yeah. he just said, uh, Libby was in the car with the car running the whole time. Um, and, and he said, to Martin, we need to leave now. And, and we, we all ran to the car and, and sped off because someone was coming with a gun. So, wow. you know, really, really fun, really fun, you know, fun times. But we got, we got all those counterfeit vendors shut down within the year. They were all gone. And, and credit. I mean, it's, it's so interesting, China, because, you know, and we're painting a picture of a bit of the Wild West, which is, you know, one of the, um, one of the provinces of China. But, uh, the, the, you know, the Chinese government actually do an incredible job of this. So once you can identify these factories, you know, they go in there, the government goes in and oh, does right. actually So they will help. They, they oh, take okay. action. Yeah, so as, long got as, you the, as long really... as you own the trademark, yeah. yeah. Yep. Oh, right. Okay, yeah, because yeah. you, you don't get that perception. The, the perception is that, oh, you're on your own. It's just the free-for-all mm. over there. No, the, I mean, there are operators, you know, they're, they're very entrepreneurial, some of these factories, and that's why, you, you know, you get this stuff. But um, but the government um, wants they can identify them, and you have to do a bit of work like we did to, to find them. For yeah, them and, that, and it turned yeah, out one they, day, they I mean, in there. yeah, one day we just did a random visit with one of our shoe factories in, in China. We moved, we've moved our production into Vietnam now for a number of reasons, but we just went there this day, and I'm looking at all this stock, and I'm looking at the purchase order numbers on the boxes. So on the shoe box, we have a PO number. It could be like 15212, right? And I'm kind of looking at this number and it's like PO 61721. And I'm like, I've never seen that in my life, right? Um, and I went up to some of the workers in the factory and I said, what's this stock for? And they're like, that's your American stock. And I'm like, we're not even supplying the US at the moment, right? And the, the, the factory was actually selling volleys on WeChat, you know, a, a Chinese marketplace um, oh. type social media platform. Um, and, and so it turned out that, that our biggest factory was also at one point in time, our largest um, counterfeiter. Um, so, you know, the enemy just, within. Yeah, yeah. Right? Like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, hidden, hidden in plain sight, you know, which was kind of clever of them, I suppose. But, yeah. Um, we we put I put all those shoes in a in in a dumpster and set them on fire just to kind of make a point um, that we weren't going to take any shit. So, um, you know, it was a it was a yeah. Wow. China's been amazing. A fucking amazing. China's Jeez. been amazing. And yeah, it's amazing. almost a movie script. That, that, that story, yeah. the whole adventure there, could could be formed into some type of Australian <laughs> movie. Well, we do yeah. we do actually have the GoPro footage. It's, it's still <laughs> saved to my uh, my favourites role. There's this great still of John. I've never seen it. It's like if you could have an expression that just communicated anger, frustration, like there was murder in his eyes. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I had, the, I had the bandana on. I looked a bit like Rambo. I was ready to roll. Um, yeah, oh, yeah. So, so I guess that's a that's a snapshot of the I guess of the China business. And then and then we you know we we built um we built standalone stores. So we we trialed. Um, we wanted to make the first uh, pop up store um, look like a tennis trophy. So we 
we had a, a guy um, who was friends with our distributor there, was a civil engineer, and, and he engineered this glass uh, dome, um, which had no, um, no joins. It was, I, I don't know, Alex said to me one day, he goes, it will fall down eventually, but but for the, <laughs> for the, for the, for the pop-up, it'll, it'll be okay. And it was only 14 square meters. I mean, it, it, was a, it was a pretty small space, but it was glass, you know, in, in the ceiling as well. So no matter where you were in this shopping mall, and this shopping mall would get 39 million visitors a year, right? Like super busy oh, mall. Wow. So you could see it from any angle on the escalator, whatever. And, and my designer, Samantha, was there with me, the young, the young girl. And um, it was so amazing. There's all these people with, like, uh, with texters, yeah? And, and they're line, they've lined up out the front of the store and they've all got shoeboxes in their hand. And she came up to me and she said, she said, John, the, the people here, they, they want me to sign my name on the boxes. What, what should I do? And I said, sign your fucking name on the yeah. boxes. <laughs> and, 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 you know, I guess this brand has not only given me, um, you know, pleasure and pain, but um, just some super, some super proud moments, um, you know, where, where, where you, know, you know, the young designer straight out of college is, is signing autographs um, out the front of a volley store in Beijing you know, where people are paying 110 bucks for a pair of shoes. Um, it was really, it's really incredible, man. Like really incredible. Um, yeah. And then I guess from there, you know, we got a lot of press on, on China. Marty did a really great job of, of kind of spruiking that through, you know, um, financial review and all these kind of um, publications. And, and, um, and, and, and then, you know, we, we really just kind of set a path on how can we, how can we work with some other brands that not necessarily are fashion, um, but have a large audience in the audience that we're trying to hit. Um, so we started doing some, I guess, April Fool's strategy, I, I'll probably call it, Marty. Um, and, and Marty came into work one day and, and he said to me, oh, you know, I think Martin was a consultant in time. Um, you know, we, should do a, we should do a collaboration with CUV, you know, you know VB. Um, and um, so we had our designer, um, Simon at the time, he, he mocked up um, uh, uh, just a, a kind of a, a Photoshop version of a BB shoe with a, with a logo on it. Um, and, um, and our marketing guy punched it out uh, on social media on April Fool's Day. Um, and it went fucking crazy. Uh, wow. Like there were half a million people had seen it by 11 a.m. And then I got a call from um, CUB asking me to take it down because it was a trademark infringement. You know, we didn't have permission to, to do it. Um, and I said to them, yeah, cool. Like we'll, we'll take it down, but do you, do you want to know some of the stats? Because the reach this thing has had and the comments that it had had was like crazy. Right. So we ended up having a chat with them and then, and then kind of Martin worked his magic, I guess, behind the scenes with some of the heavy hitters there, um, about kind of negotiating a, a zero rule, a, a zero sign on fee kind of, um, collaboration. And, and then we went, we went and built the VB shoe, um, and we launched it the year after, and and that was phenomenal, um, Francis. I mean, we we had the biggest day of online uh, e-commerce in brand collective history um, with one product. Jeez. Um, and VB had their biggest online day as well with with one product. Um, you know, we I think we outsold Superdry that day with one VB shoe, and Superdry have I don't know fuck two thousand SKUs. So wow, jeez, um, yeah. that's incredible. Do you want to do you want to talk a bit about that? Marty, because that was kind of your baby as well. <laughs> oh, oh, look, a little bit. But, I mean, you know, I think it just, again, the power of brand collaborations, you know, yeah. it's just, um, you know, if you've got 
a clear idea. And, and look, for us, it was particularly important because of the lack of distribution we had. You know, our online channel was our main distribution. So how do you get in front of eyeballs? You know, you've yeah. got to partner with the people that already have the eyeballs with a cut-through idea. And and it just, look, it, it, it was, you know, I mean, it's so true to the brand heritage anyway, the idea, you know, it's a humble Australian brand for everyone. So is VB, yeah. you know, yeah. iconic for everybody. Um, and, you know, off the back of that then, um, you know, John and the team chased the other collaboration opportunities that fall into the, you know, the same category. I mean, Cooper's approached us and the mm. Cooper's shoe came about and then Vegemite. Uh, and and so, you know, the, just the idea of um, just partnering with all of these iconic Australian brands was, uh, you know, became just such a powerful part of what the business is about as well. So Yeah, and, and something no one had done with footwear. I mean, a lot of people have done this with apparel or, you know, like cricket bats or... I don't know, whatever, right? You know, tents or fucking kayaks. But but we were kind of like, you know, we 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 kind of weren't. I guess I don't know if I want to use the word, but I don't mean this literally. But we weren't kind of cool enough for the other people to want to play with us. Yeah. Right? Um, you know, it's not like Off White and Supreme were going to come knocking on the door and say, you know, can we do a collab with Volley, right? Um, yeah. And and we thought, well, we'll go we'll go the other way. Like, you just you got you you got to you is what you is. Right. Like, you know, if you're a zebra and you paint yourself orange, you're still a zebra, yep. you know. And, and I think volley to me is it's always has to be volley. We're not trying to make it into something that it isn't. It's always going to be affordable and accessible. And, and all our product architecture has DNA of each shoe that kind of, you know, goes into the next one. But at some point in time, you know, the audience could say, well, that's not very similar to that. But you I mean, you've you've got to evolve, don't you? I mean, yeah. you know, and, and this was just a, a phenomenal way to do that and, and, and increase our, um, you know, our audience size. And, you know, VB's audience too is, is really skewed into a, a, a young customer as well now. And that's the kind of direction that they were trying to sort of infiltrate at the time. So um, same with Vegemite. And they were all starting to do merch. You know, they were doing like corduroy hats and they were doing some sweaters. Um, and, and now I think, you know, I mean, through through us too, arrogantly, I, I think I could say that we've proven to them that their merch business actually can be a very important part of their brand. It 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 can give them street culture and and keep them top of mind in, in that audience. It's it's probably never going to be their biggest revenue raiser because um you know they make a billion dollars out of beer, but but it's it's a it's a very poignant thing for for youth to you know. 10 kids wear a VB, you know, vintage sweater to a music festival and 14,000 yeah. other kids see it. You know what I mean? It's, it's, it's kind of that kind of nuance, um, you know, subliminal sort of messaging stuff. I think that's, um, that's, yeah. that's really good. Yeah. And with the Olympics, obviously you guys gave oh, shoes hmm. to all of the, the Olympians that were there. Does that have a big flow on effect? Do you get a lot coming off the back of that exposure? Yeah, so the, the the brand had done, I think, the Olympics in, in London in 2012 prior to my engagement, and I was kind of always interested in it because I thought, you know, given our catchphrase is, you know, the soul of Australia, um, then we really should be the, I mean, like Sportscraft is to to the uniform. I mean, I think they've done the uniform almost forever, it seems, but we 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 should be the we should be the we should be the fucking footwear sponsor because yeah. you know we, we are the soul of Australia and and and, and our colours are green and gold. They're actually yeah. our Pantones are are probably within a couple of percentage points of, of a variation of the of the green and gold. Um, so yeah, we we um, 
Uh, actually, one of the guys at work from Julius Marlowe, um, Craig, introduced me to, because um, I think they put a pitch in to do the dress shoe. He, he introduced me to Hayden, the guy at the Olympics. And and then we had a chat. And I'm just like, dude, we should just do this all the time. Like, you know, so so we did. I mean, we really wanted to do the um, Paralympics um, this this year just gone as well. But that already signed a deal with um, Mozino, a Japanese footwear brand. So we couldn't we couldn't fit those um, that team out, unfortunately. But um, yeah, I think despite COVID and, and all the stuff, I think um, it kind of it kind of goes back to that whole grassroots thing because um, you know for athletes to to do a four year training cycle to peak at the end of the four years only to have to do a fifth year um, of training um, it's it's a real gritty um, you know determined thing and then to compete you know with zero audience um, you know probably in the action sport realm I guess as far as you know I've had some chats with some of the the skaters and, and, and those guys, but um, it's, it's very challenging in that environment. I think to perform at your best without the, the hype of an audience, it's very different to, to surfing, I suppose, because maybe when you're out riding a wave, you know, we chatted with Owen that, that it's hard to tell, even if there is an audience, you know, yeah. you, you're just always trying to be your best, no matter what, and just beat the guy on the wave. Um, so yeah, it, it was phenomenal for us. And, and, you know, we, we did a limited release of shoes, which we sold out of, um, which was nice. Um, we didn't, we didn't buy a lot, but, you know, we supplied over a thousand pairs of shoes to the officials and stuff like that. And, oh, and the team. Geez, that's a um, lot of shoes. Yeah. But the feedback we got for them, you know, because, um, you know, Simon, the guy that we had doing design did a ton of work on making the shoes more comfortable. Um, and, you know, we, we, we developed our own inner sole and our own material within the inner sole. And even though the shoe still looks a little sort of plain and simple, it, it's, it's, it's super comfortable for the price point. Um, and a lot of the athletes have said, you know, how, how good it was. I mean, they, 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 even when they came back to Melbourne, I'm watching the news and a lot of them are still wearing their volleys. Whereas, you know, maybe in the past, um, you know, some of the feedback was that, that a lot of athletes got blisters and they weren't very comfortable. Yeah. So it's a, a, a credit to the design team to making sure that, um, that, you know, that if we are going to be the soul of Australia and we are going to support our greatest, you know, um, athletes and champions, then, then they need to, they need to be able to get to the stage um, without fucking sore feet, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like I said, the logistical requirements, Francis, and credit to the team that, that managed it. But, you know, you've got, uh, it's, it's not exactly a custom make, but you have to get to the, um, the, the, the sizes of the, the, the feet of the, the swimmers and the basketballers I mean, the, the, this is almost inhuman stuff. I mean, these guys have size. Yeah, we went 17. up to size eighteen. In wow. our, so we had to reopen all our tooling from a size thirteen all the way up to a to an eighteen. Um, you know, so there's a significant cost. Yeah. Um, you know, financially from the brand, but for me, that's not what it's about. It's 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 about supporting the people. Um, and I think you know, um, the good thing now is that we have those molds open and yeah. we can release product in larger sizes because it's quite common now for people to have size 14, 15 feet. Um, yeah. you know, with all the Steggles chicken that gets eaten, I suppose. But, um, <laughs> yeah. yeah. It, does that leave the door open, like, to having, I suppose, a high, developing a high-end shoe, like having a, a Hoka type or some sort of high-end running shoe that, like, like the Mustang, it looks like the old one, but it drives mm. like the new one. Is, is mm. that yeah. the next evolution? This is such a good question. And I actually love to know because, uh, you know, I've, I've been out of the business now for almost a year. So I'd love to know where Johnny's head's got to. But I'll, I'll, I'll kick off by just saying this, is, this was the topic of conversation for us for the best part of three years, I, I reckon. Um, what, what, what is, and we, the question we asked ourselves is, you know, what is Volley 2.0? Because yeah. what, we, what we told ourselves was that Volley 1.0 
1939 was an incredibly innovative sneaker. So if you yeah. if you, you you rewind back to not, I mean, first of all, virtually no one was wearing sneakers back then, um, yeah. and then um, really the only other major construction was the vulcanized construction, which just for the the non footwear people out there, um, a converse is a, a vulcanized shoe. So effectively the um, the the sole uh, is is glued so the out the foxing of the outsole which holds the upper onto the sole is effectively glued onto the shoe in, at, at high temperatures. Um, so it's a multi-piece outsole and that's why it's a little less flexible than the volley, which is an injected oh, rubber right. outsole. Okay. So that one that one piece injection of the volley outsole, which makes it so grippy, so flexible, so soft. Uh, and and the shoe that you know roof tilers love and yeah. um, sailors love and all that sort of stuff. Uh, it was actually you know incredibly unique um, at the time. And so then if you kind of go well, okay, well, what would you need to do to be unique and innovative now? Um, you know, with with three D printing technology and um, you know uh, fire line outsoles and all all the technology that exists today, yeah. but then also still be a shoe that can be mass produced. Um, and accessible to the population, which Volley always was. Yep. You know, that's 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 a difficult question to answer, but that's the opportunity for Volley. So I don't know where you've got to, Joe. Have you got have you got the answer yet? Yeah, well, I, I think you know Simon paved the way with our overgrip, and and you know for the two shoes he designed, we both won um, good design awards for last year. Um, you know, which was really exciting um, for us. Um, and you know that that overgrip is a kind of paraboot sort of style. Um, shoe with which has got the DNA of our sole unit um, and upper uh, treatment on it, yeah. and the leather one, you know, sells for one hundred and thirty nine ninety nine, and yeah. it's our best selling shoe through winter. Oh, so okay. I, I guess to talk about the pricing, then bang, you know, like that's a that's a win. But were we all shitting ourselves on the day that that launched? You know, thinking are people going to buy it because we don't have any wholesale pickup in this country on that product, so we have to buy stock, put it online, and hope for the best. Yeah, cross our yeah. fingers that we've got the marketing right and, and, and all that sort of stuff. And, you know, kaboom, um, tick, you know, it, it, it's worked really well. So the, the 2.0 we're working on, um, I don't know how much I should or shouldn't give away, I suppose, but, but um, I've never been good at keeping a secret. So um, we, we, are, we are doing a very sleek um, shoe, uh, which um, won't be um, – too radically priced. I think it's probably going to fall somewhere between $120 and $140. Um, it's uh, like recycled sugarcane, um, okay. you know, outsole, uh, recycled PET um, plastic upper, um, some other little bits and bobs um, that, that we're kind of doing with it because, um, you know, you know, it, it's just it's just cool to play with some different materials and yeah. different fabrications and give us a little bit of a point of difference to some of our, our, our customers. And I think for price, um, our product is always um, better than uh, a lot of our more expensive uh, opponents purely because of our brand positioning in the in in this in the sphere of things. So I guess you know. Um, you know, you'll pay $189 for a Napa leather Vans skate high and, and you'll pay, you know, $119 for a Napa leather volley high top, right? So yep. there's, there's, a, there's a huge difference in cost, um, but I, I, think, um, I, think we're, I think we win on comfort actually all day. Um, and I'm an ex-Vans employee, so I can kind of say oh, that. Okay. But, yep. but, you know, so, yeah, I, I think there's good things to come. You know, we've got a backpack coming out. We're doing some stuff with hemp. We're, you know, we're, 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 you know, 
we'll slowly start to expand, you know, those, those kind of offerings. I mean, we, we've just started selling the brand in France. Now we have a distributor there. Wow. Um, we, you know, we, we had, a, we had a cracking deal uh, lined up for 2020 in the USA, but um, that kind of fell over after COVID. Um, uh, so we, we'll reignite the American flame, uh, hopefully um, next year, early next year. Um, and yeah, so it's, it's good. Good stuff on the some good collabs too in the pipeline as well. So, Jeez, yeah, well, that's that's exciting. Uh, you know, obviously, it's not sitting sitting still, sitting static. There's a lot still coming. I mean, oh, and the Australian Open, of course. We did our first pop up in Australia um, at the Australian Open um, in 2020. Um, you know, and we we did all the shoes for um, um, their officials as well. And we we did a really nice uh, AO collab. Um, you know, we had Martina Navratilova come and buy a pair of shoes off us. Um, oh, that's you know, like, cool. So it, it was pretty cool because they all know the brand from when they used to play Wimbledon back in the day yeah. because, you know, Yvonne Goulagong, uh, you know, used to wear volleys. Um, you know, Margaret Court, obviously. Um, you know, Rod Laver, you know, until he wore Adidas. Um, you know, so a whole bunch of the elitest of elite players um, all, all championed the brand at some point in time through the 50s, 60s, uh, 70s. You know, and, yeah. and no Aussie has still won the Oz Open since Mark Edmondson in a pair of volleys. So, um, you know. So it could be the maybe, next ma- ma- V2. That, that, maybe that, yeah. yeah. yeah maybe, that, maybe you're onto it, Francis. Yeah. yeah. So, oh, look, I, I definitely think so. I mean, you know, with the stuff mm. you can do and, yeah, definitely. Because one of the shoes you had years ago was the, the OC, which was much more mm-hmm. like a neater boat type shoe. That's yep. not around anymore, is it? That one got dropped? No. We, th- there, was an, there was an attempt um, – Oh, maybe Martin knows a bit more about this because it's before my time, but but they, they did do a relaunch with it, Marty, didn't they? Yeah, I think there were, there were a few shoes that were relaunched from the archives in the sort of late Pacific Brands days and they, um, with mixed success. And I think at the yeah. time, you know, the, the brand was still, there was there was still the work to do on the brand before, before that product that could be. Yeah, could, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And, and I think that was the challenge, you know. You, the yeah. brand was still you know, kind of a Kmart brand at that point in time. So yeah. to step then yeah. straight into, you know, he, here's the new product, you, you know, you had, to, you had to do some marketing along the way to get it back into the, you know, consideration set really. Yeah. And also I think some of those shoes, if look, the, the funny thing about, and, you know, um, you'll see all the brands uh, at the moment, you know, heritage is, uh, is a big trend um, yeah. right now and people are pulling these shoes out of the archives whether it be new new balance or nike yeah yep. um but if you actually look at the shoes that they're producing they're not actually from the archives so they're not they're not literal so they, they'll take the inspiration of the design but they'll actually modernize it for the current time they'll use right. modern technologies to build it so it's still comfortable so it, it, i think you know that particular shoe was a very literal interpretation yeah. Um, of the old shoes. So I think, you, you know, you've got to use a bit of creative licence with these, um, you know, pull it out from the archive stories. Yeah. Oh, look, yeah, I, I think there's opportunities are still massive. I mean, and it's a great story so far. It's an outstanding story. But the big thing is I think the brand is really lucky to have the two of you do what you did and Australian culture as well. I don't think it's limited to just the brand. I think yeah. it, it could have been easily forgotten and left on the shelves and disappeared from the shelves, but... Australian culture and a part of our history had you two fellas pushing that cause. And, and I just think it's so lucky that that happened at the right time. You did a lot for it. No, thanks, Francis. It was, uh, it, it was definitely fun. I mean, you know, Martin and I have nearly punched on every now and again. Um, <laughs> um, Creative conflict you know, but, is good. <laughs> yeah, but, but that's the thing. I mean, if, if everybody thinks the same, 
nothing ever freaking changes. You know, like yeah. there's no evolution. If, if everyone just agrees, then life's pretty boring. And, and I think, um, I think that can be said for a lot of society, not just, not just branding and product, but just people in general, just let, let, let people be what they is. And if you don't yeah. like them, then just stay out the way. And if, it doesn't matter, you know. Yeah, definitely. There's yeah. enough space for everyone. It doesn't have yep. to homogenize. We all don't have to be the same. It's Correct. yeah, it's the most boring place if that's what's going to happen. Yeah, it's spot on. And I don't. I mean, we don't want to get too political again, but I mean, that is that, that there is this sort of you know norming now. It's almost like there's a certain thing you are allowed to say, and if you don't say that thing, you mm, kind of get yeah. cancelled, and and that's yeah. dangerous. You know, you want mm. you need to have diversity of thought. You need to have conflict. I mean, you know, John and I talk about, you know, not, not wanting to offend people. We offended each other all the time with uh, yeah, every day. abuse of each other's <laughs> ideas, but that's what yeah. that's what gets you to, a, uh, well, you know. Exactly. How can you be, how can you tell someone to be strong if they're going to be offended? That, that yeah. You can't. You, 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 you can't take offence to things. If you're going to be strong, you be strong and you move on, you know, but we're yeah, in this delicate world yeah. at the moment. Yeah. We need to teach yeah, people no, resilience, know. not not to mm. not to. You can't remove offence from the world. What you need to teach yeah. is, is resilience. Yeah, yep. yeah. And most of the criticism or whatever comes from people you don't even like. So why even put a weight on it? It's, it's yeah. Look, I think yeah. Francis, the irony of it is, people will go pay seventy five bucks to listen to a comedian say it, but if anyone else says it, it's yeah, really <laughs> <intense>. so, <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly right. Yeah. Uh, we're going into a whole yeah. new territory, which yeah. is which is a whole new podcast, I reckon. It, it is. On that yeah. note, I'm actually gonna yeah. I'm gonna have to um, sign off, guys, because I've got to jump on another call. The no, vagaries look, of the day to day world call. Th- thank you. Thanks, I Martin. really appreciate your time. Thank you very much for your time. It's it's been it's been great. I'm stoked that I got to hear the story, and I'm stoked that it's going to be recorded for anyone else that wants to hear it. Mm, thanks, Francis. Francis. Uh, yeah, is there right. anything else you want to talk uh, about while Marty goes? Or have we answered all your no, questions? Look, you've got everything. There's a movie script. There's everything. But I tell you <laughs> what, if you blokes are ever up on the Gold Coast, give me a call, and we'll catch up. We'll go out for a beer or a coffee, or breakfast, whatever. Yeah, love to, man. Love to see you in yeah, person. So hopefully, hopefully sometime before 2032. Yeah, yeah sometime hope so. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, no, look, right. that's great. Right. Thanks again, eh? Hey. I'll speak to you all very soon. Okay, no sweat. See you, man. If that doesn't make you want to go out and grab a pair of volleys, then I don't know what will. Thank you very much for sticking to the end of the podcast. Thank you very much to my guests, and thank you very much to all of the uh, personal assistants that help uh, organise the times and coordinate it so everyone was free. Um, if you are interested in grabbing a pair of volleys, I would recommend you head to their website and grab them online. Go to volley.com.au. There is a huge range of volleys on there. Um, the build quality also is better from the ones that you grab in the Heritage or the Juice uh, series as opposed to what you can grab at some of the cheaper department store ranges. Um, so make sure you do check out their online website. And as always... If you do know anyone that you think would enjoy the show, please do share it. It is the only way that this show will grow. Um, And if there's a story here that you think someone would love, I would love for you to share it with them. You can always find more of our backlog of episodes by visiting bumpingintoo.com.au or just searching Bumping Into on a podcast player. Thank you very much for sticking around and I will speak to you on the next episode.